But now we have to, in our generation of physicians and health coaches and nurses and healthcare providers who touch lives to understand it's our, it's our responsibility to employ this on a mass scale. Because if we don't, we're just keep jumping off the cliff and there's going to be more and more of us jumping off every single year. And then before you know it, it's going to be our kids jumping off the cliff. You are listening to Veggie Doctor Radio, and this is episode number 147. Welcome to Veggie Doctor Radio. I am your host, Dr. Yami, board certified pediatrician, certified lifestyle medicine physician, certified health and wellness coach, author, speaker, mother, wife, and human being. I passionately believe in the power of diet, habits, and mindset in sparking and sustaining well-being and joy in our lives. This podcast combines expert interviews and thoughtful monologues to explore plant-based nutrition, lifestyle medicine, parenting, mindset, and other exciting and fun topics. I hope that these episodes inspire you, uplift you, and equip you with the knowledge and tools to live your best life. Are you ready to get started? Let's do it. Well, hello, veggie lovers. Welcome back to Veggie Doctor Radio. Thank you so much for joining me yet again on this wonderful day. Today, I have Dr. Lori Marbus, who was actually my very first guest on Veggie Doctor Radio way back in 2017, and now she's back to talk about plant-based telehealth. So remember that the information on this podcast is for informational and educational purposes only. It is not meant to replace careful evaluation, treatment by a healthcare professional. So if you have concerns about you or your child's eating nutrition or growth, please consult a health professional, which is perfect because we're going to tell you about how you can access one virtually. So let me tell you about Dr. Marbus. Lori Marbus, MD, MBA, is a double board certified family medicine and lifestyle medicine physician who has been utilizing food as medicine since 2012. Previously, she created a new medical model combining the power of nutrient-dense foods and intensive clinical psychological therapy to treat not only food addiction, but also chronic disease. She was the first managing editor for the Plantrician Project's International Journal of Disease Reversal and Prevention. The journal is focused on bringing plant-based research to the forefront of modern medicine and to the general public. She is also the co-founder of Healthy Human Revolution, whose mission is to provide resources that will empower individuals with the knowledge, tools, and mindset to successfully adopt and sustain a whole food, a plant-based diet. She is also the co-founder of Plant-Based Telehealth, focused on the prevention and reversal of chronic disease utilizing lifestyle medicine. This new service provides access to plant-based lifestyle medicine across the United States. She currently holds 48 state medical licenses, licenses plus DC across the United States with the last few pending. I just saw on her Instagram today that she was granted the 49th So just one more to go. She is also the wife, mom of three grown children, host of Healthy Human Revolution podcast, author, speaker, and avid runner. 
So in this episode, Dr. Marbus and I talk about what's been going on in her life since the last time we chatted on Veggie Doctor Radio. We talked about plant-based telehealth, how it can revolutionize lifestyle medicine, what she envisions and hopes for the future, what surprised her the most about providing this type of service, things that seem like they are easier than she thought they were or harder than she thought they were going to be, and what kind of experiences that she's been having as a physician with this new way of practicing medicine. What trends has she been able to see in this space? And what are the common obstacles that her patients experience? And then we talk about medical licensure and some of the things we wish were happening in that space uh, and how difficult it has been for her to get a few of those licensees. So it's a really great conversation. Um, I think you're going to learn a lot about what it takes to try to help more people in a broader way. She's had to go through a lot of hoops, but I really commend her for being so dedicated and so passionate and for doing this work so that she can help more people. And if you are looking for a provider, if you have a chronic health condition and you're wanting a consult from a plant-based doctor, a lifestyle medicine physician, and you don't have that in your area, if you are in 49 states, you have access to plant-based telehealth. So there's only one state right now where she doesn't have a license and it's not just her, but a few other colleagues that are practicing with her. I hope that you're going to enjoy this episode, get something from it. And if you need these services, use them or refer other people to them. So veggie lovers, thank you so much for being with me. And now on to the episode. Dr. Lori Marbus, welcome back to Veggie Doctor Radio. So this is super special because you are my very first guest back in September of 2017, and now you're back. So welcome, <laughs> welcome. Thanks. I'm happy to be back. So you have some exciting things happening. You have been a busy, busy woman. I don't know how you're doing mm -hmm. it all, but I would love to hear about your journey and co-founding this plant-based telehealth. How did you get the idea? How did this come about? Tell me about it. Yeah. So, um, thanks for asking. It's, uh, it's quite an endeavor. <laughs> so, um, back in 2016, um, I had gone to Florida to work with Dr. Joel Furman in a clinic there called the health oasis. And, um, it was where they came and people would come and give them plant-based diet and they'd stay for extended periods of time. And it was wonderful for six months until our investors pulled out. And then I was thrown into a world with no job and um, it's slightly stressful uh, <laughs> to say the least. And so a friend of mine had, who had been doing telemedicine for some time actually had emailed me like three months before. I was like, Hey, here's this, you know, company they're looking to hire. Would you be interested? And I was like, Oh no, I'm doing a great gig here. This is going great. I love it. Um, well, lo and behold, I, I remembered that email and I reached out to her and I started doing telemedicine just as thinking it was kind of a, a short term thing until the next brick and mortar type of job. That's, that's what I've always done. And so this was in summer 2017. And um, what ended up happening was I would see, you know, patients calling in for 
uh, you name it, colds, UTIs, headaches, skin rashes, well, just your normal family practice stuff. And I would see, oh, you have diabetes. By the way, have you heard about plants? And you know that that process of talking to them about you know diet, and then of course leads to exercise and their sleep and all these lifestyle medicine habits. It was working really, really, really well, right? So I had the C-suite folks contacted me and like, you know, we're looking at your data. It's very skewed from other doctors. You're getting A1Cs that go from 11 to six in three months. What are you doing? And I'm like, magic. I'm giving them plants. <laughs> the magic. This thing called fiber and <laughs> phytonutrients. Amazing. And um, what was funny about that was they I, and I would say, you know, you should start lifestyle medicine clinic. You or a lot. You, this would be great for these people. They're they're appreciative. They're you know, I had people writing that were HR directors from companies writing in saying, you know, I reversed my psoriatic arthritis and lost fifty pounds with the guidance of Dr. Maribus. You should continue doing this. This is great. And they just kind of they looked at that and they're like, okay, that's great. Okay, but when I told them it was just plants, like how simple could that be? Um, of course, there's other elements involved with helping people transition and stuff, but that's kind of how it started and the inkling of the idea. And Anthony Masiello is a good friend of mine, and we had done other things together um, as, you know, launched Health Human Revolution and just his family, my family, they're very close. And I tell him these things and he's like, Lori, we should start our own telemedicine company. I was like, are you insane? <laughs> I was like, do you have any clue what you're thinking? I mean, this is a, we're talking Inter, like national state to state and doctors and the, the, the are you crazy <laughs> um and he but he's very persistent I will give him that and um I finally said okay and um I switched jobs so I wasn't working for a telemedicine company and trying to launch my own telemedicine company and we spent a year and a half planning it um you know it was just Anthony and I fully invested in it, time, sweat, money, tears, lots of just like, oh my goodness, I've never in my life, I'm pretty sure we funded my, our uh, lawyers, kids, college, you know, their kids at college education, a few family, doing a few family vacations on top of it. But um, what was really cool about it was that with his experience as project management and coming from big pharma, having left that and just understanding that world and you know, running a successful business. I have an MBA. Um, you know, we understand the business side of this is very, very important because I can't offer services if the company is not uh, functional and can maintain and sustain itself in a in a very reasonable, um, you know, financial way. And so we started with that. But I also understood coming from the doctor's perspective, we really want them to um, be able to do this full time and make a living. Um, regardless of where they are. So I live outside of Boulder, Colorado. And I think even if I had a brick and mortar, I mean, I might be able to do a full-time, you know, lifestyle practice, whatever, but it would be a lot of work. It would be very difficult in the sense that I'd be stuck to a brick and mortar traveling. I mean, I just, I think at least at this time in my life too, I just turned 50 as like, that's not what I want to do. <laughs> but anyway, I, instead I transitioned it all online. Um, but you know, there's, I really think that doctors, let's say have someone who's in a rural, you know, Kansas or something, and they want to practice this, but they can't leave necessarily. What can we do to help them, right? Find the patients that are looking for this help, right? So we have doctors who want to practice it. We have 
amazing patients who are looking for a doctor who understands nutrition, in particular plant-based nutrition, and where can we get this place to put them together? So that's what we've created. Um, so we've created this wonderful place and we've had so many doctors reach out to us. I mean, a plethora. Um, our fourth doctor just started this uh, February 1st. Um, we have two more starting March 1st and we're hoping to grow to 10 by the end of the year. We are in 48 states, including DC. Um, we've seen international patients. Um, we should be in all 50 hopefully very soon. I am carrying a burden of that. I will be licensed. I'm in license in 48 states in DC. However, we're bringing on doctors and I'm just covering bridging until we can get all the docs in those places. I don't want to see everybody. I don't, I don't have the capacity. I'm so busy right now. I can, I can barely keep my head above water. It really is what has been an amazing growth. Our first year will be March we launched in COVID. What a, it was a silver lining mm -hmm. in the sense because the perceives, you know, um, the perceptions that telemedicine couldn't be a good way to deliver medicine, this at least this type, um, was knocked down, honestly. And so doctors were interested and patients were interested. And um, so that's how it started. And uh, we launched March, first week of March last year, 2020. And um, I couldn't be more excited with the growth. We have Dr. Chris Miller, who's been a good friend of mine for like a decade. And then, of course, we have the amazing Dr. Clapper. Um, who everybody knows. And then we have uh, our newest physician, Dr. Jeffrey Pierce, who's a family doc. Uh, he does surgical obstetrics, actually really cool um, in California, who's about to finish his, get his license in Texas. So he'll have these large states, which are great. Um, but yeah, that's, and that's the growth, but running a business like this, it's, there's insurance, Medicare and inter, you know, over the state law, like practicing medicine in different states. And what does that mean? And then the EHR and, oh my. Yeah. I can't even imagine, <laughs> but I think it's, it is really funny how you launched right at the beginning of the pandemic. Yeah. It almost seemed like yeah. it was planned that way, but of course no. we only see <laughs> what, what we see. And the reality was you were right. working on it for years beforehand, you know, it right. just happened right. to be that like yes. this perfect, you know, like it just launched at right the perfect time. We're like, Oh, now that everybody actually is more open to telemedicine, it just seems to make sense. It just paved right. the path for this opportunity that we probably should have been doing more of. But I think in medicine, mm -hmm. we just get stuck in these old ways and we don't innovate enough. Don't you think that we're just not right. innovative uh, enough as physicians? Yeah, I think so. I mean, when I went to, when I first started the telemedicine um, back in 2017, I was a little, I was very nervous, honestly, because I'm like, I'm a hands-on family practice, you know, <laughs> all sorts of stuff. And to rethink how to deliver quality medical attention um, was really, really important. And I learned so much. Um, one, just about how to speak to a patient was actually, I think, better this way, right? Because I'm looking at the computer at them. You know, I'm not looking down on my computer trying to type something as they're speaking. Because, you know, if, if you're seeing 20, 25 patients a day, it's really hard to remember everything without taking some notes during the mm -hmm. process. I mean, that's just the way it is. And now I can, I've always been able to type and look up. So now I'm just typing and listening as I'm listening, I'm typing it out. It's almost like I'm paying attention more. It's like, it's, it's a fascinating thing, but the patients really love it. It's um, in the convenience of their own home. I get family members all the time. 
you know, they're, they like, oh yeah, I forgot my med, this medicine. And, you know, they're showing it on the screen. It's right there. Um, and it's just been a lot of fun. I'm not, you know, strapped to a brick and mortar place. I can actually go. Um, I do miss obviously times when, you know, like the babies, especially as you I love the babies. Um, but you know, that's, that's, you know, one of the things that it's okay, but, um, but I, I'm really excited at our growth. Um, there's so many things we can do. We want to bring on specialists. We want to do group visits. We're working on getting dietitians. And so um, the practice, you know, we want it to be thriving. We want to show the, the data and the evidence that this is an amazing thing to do across this country. And um, I mean, I've had people call from South Dakota. South Dakota. There's plant eaters in South Dakota, guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to know what are the two holdouts? Because you've been trying to get um, licensed uh, in all these states, like seems like forever. So what are the two states that are just really hard to get licensed in? Tell us. <laughs> it's giving me, it's pumping my headache right now. Just thinking about it. It's Massachusetts and Indiana. So if y'all know that seems anyone- like this shouldn't be that hard. Board. No, I was warned back in 2017 when I started collecting these licenses um, because obviously the more licenses you have, the more patients you can see because you have to be licensed. A physician has to be licensed in the state where the patient is located at the physical, the, where they're physically located at the time of the appointment. They don't have to live there. They can literally, I've had patients before I got my organ license, they would drive to Washington state an hour away just to, to talk to a plant-based doctor. I mean, like, seriously, this is crazy. Um, but anyway, it's Massachusetts and Indiana. They require, you know, medical licensing is some of those really easy. New York took me three weeks. California, six months. Massachusetts, well, we're going on month eight. So, you know, when you look at that, what it is, you know, there's everyone requires fingerprinting. They require you to have um, all of your school records be sent. And then, then they have, if you have multiple licenses, every state, they require every state. Okay, think about it. every state has to send in a, a separate, the state has to do it. I can't do it. A verification that I have a license that's not compromised in that state. So Massachusetts, you know, they delay, delay, delay. And then they find, then they do something and they're like, oh, she has five more states. Well, we, now we need those five. Oh my <laughs> like, gosh. oh my goodness, you're killing me. So, but yeah, and that's what Indiana and so you have to have cooperation from multiple state licensing boards to do that. So I'm sure someone who was just applying from Massachusetts would have had it by now. But yeah, and then their documents expire and you have to redo it. It's just, I've been, I've been fingerprinted more than most criminals. I'm telling well, you. Well, then uh, my, my career as a uh, telemedicine doc is over before it began because <laughs> I had to send in eight sets of fingerprints to Washington state oh. when I got my license here. And finally they just gave up. I'm really difficult to fingerprint. I have like these really fine um, finger, you know, like their lines yeah. are not very deep. And my, on my yeah. iPhone, I have the version you do your thumbprint and half of the time I yeah. can't get into my own phone. So yeah. it's over. Nope. I can't, I can't yeah, be licensed. Louisiana. <laughs> Louisiana took three, three sets. Louisiana did. And I have this and they're like, oh, your fingers are so dry. I'm like, I don't think so. They're like, what have you done to your fingerprints? I'm like, nothing. <laughs> I haven't worked hard manual labor or anything. So, um, yeah. Anyway, I, I feel your pain. Well, I, oh, I kind of want to take a little second and talk about this because especially with the yeah. pandemic, we have had this increasing need for patients to be connected with physicians. And it is very frustrating that we have the rules we do 
not mm. just for physicians, but for mental health. I mean, there's some mm. great therapists in other states, but they can't see you because they're licensed in another state. So I'd love to hear your right. thoughts about, you know, all this bureaucracy and all of these policies. What, <laughs> what do you think should happen with all of this? I mean, and do you think it's possible that someday we will have universal licensing? Oh, we take, we do this out of medical school. We take step one, two, and three. We have all taken this test, these series of tests showing that we are competent to practice medicine in the United States. But then each state, because of their autonomy, has these different rules and regulations. One state may have no requirements for continuous medical education. They, were, they pay, you pay, you pay, let's say $150 every third year. That's like Montana. I mean, these are Western small rural states. They're just like, we just need doctors. We're going to make these obstacles as <laughs> minimal as possible. But then you have others like Florida who have multiple stacked CME requirements and you have to go through a special CE broker and upload these and do that and pay this extra fine. Uh, Tennessee, for example, it's not only do you pay the, the renewal fee every year or every other year, but you have to pay a $400 privilege um, I guess I call it a tax, a privilege um, fee to practice there. Every professional, did you know in the state of Tennessee, I learned about this as I was doing some research. So I'm like, why am I charging me $400? I already paid to my license there, but it's a privilege. North Carolina has one too, but it's only 50 bucks. But Tennessee, this privileged professional tax, um, every single time there's a professional basketball game in Tennessee, Every player on every team has to pay a, it's like, I think it's like $2,500 or something. It was some crazy amount of money. So I'm like, why would you ever go play national? Seems like I Tennessee should be rolling in the dough. Dude, I'm serious. I'm like, wow. And you know, these are just these, these things you don't think about. And um, I mean, the CME for the most part is most states will have multiple things that I can do at once and cover multiple things. But I'm telling you, I've learned so much but we should have one universal license 100% because why should I, we have to go through all that time and expense just to see a patient in a literally in another state, just because there's a, a line, a boundary saying, here's my land and here's yours. I mean, it's, it's utterly insane. Yeah. Um, but it's, yeah, it's, it's a, I think it's just a money-making venture, right? Yeah. You know, I, but, but, but it what? is, it does hinder patient care because, oh, you know, 100%. it, creates, especially like you're saying in these rural states where they have very few doctors, there's just not even enough access. It makes it really difficult. Mm -hmm. And we now have the technology, like we have the technology. So we need to, our policies need to keep, to catch up with that technology. Right. And there is a thing called the interstate um, medical compact licensure. So this is I can't remember. It's over 20 States, but these are more of your Colorado's part of that. Um, it's a, it's a agreement amongst the different states to, if you have a license in one state that they will give you the privilege of practicing in these other states, you still have to pay the fee for each state. Um, but then each state will still sometimes require extra, like a jurisprudence test or something like that. Um, but it does make it much faster. And typically when you do that, um, I mean, I got, oh my goodness, at least probably 15 of my licenses within a period of a month going through that process. It was one application, but I still had to pay those extra fees. But um, that was very helpful, but that's not where a lot of my patients are concerned. These are rural states. They're small populated states. So it's the Montanas, it's the Dakotas, it's you know the Kansas. Um, 
And then it's another Kansas. This is an interesting one, Kansas. So I should, I really feel like I'm an expert in licensing at this point, but Kansas, uh, my male practice covers 49 states except Kansas because Kansas has a special law that you have to use their fund and get extra, their special way of getting insurance. So I had to pay half the amount of my, my fee for my malpractice for a year for 49 states was this amount. I had to pay exactly half of that to get just Kansas. Oh my God. I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm like, this is ridiculous. So uh, you have a lot of yeah. patience, woman. I admire that. I have, so when, whenever you finally get your 50 states, are you going to have like a big party oh. or what are you going to do? <laughs> I'm going to have a fundraiser. <laughs> That's exactly what you need to do. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you know, the maintenance will be much less of a hassle and less, much less expensive. I mean, it's still an expense, but it's certainly one I'm willing to take on at this point. It won't be something I continue for long-term obviously, but, um, but I do, I think it brings to light what a physician has to go through to actually see patients. And then you go to see the patient, then you have all the burden of the EHR, the documentation, HIPAA rules, Medicare rules, all these incredible administrative burdens, insurance and this, like, oh my goodness, labs. And it's just, it's incredible to me. And then you have patients who can't afford their insulin because I have majority of my patients are diabetics. I have type one kiddos. I have type one and a halves. I have type twos. I have gestational diabetic patients. So all these amazing people are reaching out, trying to get well, they can't even afford their insulin. And so now I'm scrambling trying to figure out how to help them. I actually have people send me patients who are already doing well on a plant-based diet on insulin. Dr. Marbus has looked into this. Why don't you go see her just to help you get insulin? I mean, this is literally, I've had these cases and I'm just sitting here going, this is insane to me. In, in, this, in this country, I, boy, you open up a can of worms when you ask these questions, wow. but I'm just, it's been quite a journey to learn about the, there's just so much, there's so much we should be improving in. And um, yeah, well, that's uh, a, that's a great place to transition to my next question is what do you yeah. envision for the future? How can yes. plant-based telehealth yes. revolutionize lifestyle medicine? Oh yeah. Okay. This is very fun. So I love dreaming about this part of it, right? Because, you know, all the hassles in the day-to-day you know, working till midnight, getting up and doing it again. Um, yeah, I need to work on my sleep habits a little bit certain days of the week. Um, but our, our vision is really, remember, we wanted to bring lifestyle medicine and make it accessible for the masses. Um, people may look at, you know, we, and we really, we looked at the price, we brought it down as low as we could. We don't accept insurance at this moment because it, we would already been out of business. I mean, we just couldn't do that our first mm -hmm. year. And, um, we will provide receipts and stuff for patients to submit to their insurance companies. And some of them are getting some reimbursement and some are getting hundred percent back, but majority are not getting anything. Um, even though we're cutting the cost of their care because we're stopping medications and they're getting better. Um, what we think when I see of lifestyle medicine and being board certified lifestyle medicine, and you're talking to these amazing doctors who are all over the place, right? They're struggling to build a practice of lifestyle medicine because they're, they're working in the confines of a normal, you know, traditional medicine practice, which is procedure oriented, make more money, more patients. You know, a primary care clinic wasn't, is never going to be your cash cow in a hospital setting or any, it's just not, we're not, we're not made that way. We're meant to take the time to meet the families and build these relationships with these patients. So they trust their physician and we can get them better. And now for a very important message. 
Hey, veggie lover, if you are looking for free resources to guide you on your plant-based and healthy living journey, go to dryami.com forward slash free for tons of free downloadable PDFs. Hundreds of people have taken advantage of my tips to help them reduce meat and dairy consumption, navigate eating out, and build satisfying plant-based meals. Download one or download them all, and don't forget to share with friends and family. DrYami.com forward slash free. And now back to the episode. Now that we have a lot of hospitals owning practices or groups, you know, they got to generate income. So it's more patients or procedures because that's what insurances will reimburse. And um, so they're really struggling to build the lifestyle medicine practice and get the momentum to see the changes that can occur in a community, right? So Part of what I'd really like to see is when you're looking at lifestyle medicine advancing in the United States, the only way we're going to get this moving in a quick fashion, which we have to, because we are dying of these chronic diseases at a faster rate at a younger age every single year. And when I can take the data from two years or a year or two years from thousands of patients across this entire globe mostly obviously concentrated in the United States, but literally across the globe, different places, rural settings, urban settings, um, races, ages, genders. When you're looking at all this and all of it shows this picture, I look at this congregate data and they're reversing their diabetes. They're losing the weight. They're reversing their hypertension. They're controlling you know, autoimmune diseases. Migraines are improving. Lives are improving. Medical costs are dropping. That's going to be amazing. So the only way to do that is to actually have access to all those patients who are willing to take this journey with us until it's an accepted practice and everybody's doing this. That's the only way we're going to do that. So the data collection is going to be really important for us. And then we have these amazing physicians who are excited about the opportunity of lifestyle medicine, but have never learned how to do it. And there's some amazing organizations, the American College of Lifestyle Medicine, the Pontrician Project who are working towards building the educational side of things in, you know, not only from medical school, but through your practice. But I think another thing that might be missing here is the actual practice of lifestyle medicine. It can be very sparse or sporadic, depending on, on your setting. Mm -hmm. The beautiful thing about us is we're doing it every single day with hundreds of patients, right? So we're seeing all these amazing patients. We're doing it every day and we're learning what's working. We're learning how to evolve and build this thing called lifestyle medicine, right? We're learning how to actually employ it. And um, that's the beauty of that. If we build a network of physicians, not even those who are working with us, but build a network of physicians across this country and build that, let's, what do you do, you know, for this patient? What do I do with this? What do I do on Monday, right? So if I learn something, I need to understand how to apply it because if I don't understand how to apply it, it does me no good. It's just like I tell a patient, go lose some weight or go eat healthier. If I don't tell you how to do it, what I, I'm starting back is like, you know, the basics here, you're back to zero. So that is really important. We need to get down to the nitty gritty. If I have a diabetic who's never had a cardiac event, but they're on a statin because guidelines say they should be on a statin. If they reverse their diabetes and now are a healthy weight, have no medication needs, when can I stop the statin? 
right? This is a common question or some other things, you know, how do I deprescribe insulin in a safe manner? What should I tell my patient to expect? How do I de deprescribe hypertensive meds? What's the first one to do? How should I do it? You know, these are things we're not taught. How do I get my patient to, you know, understand that they can eat healthy every single day? You know, what is that behavior design that I can look at and say, what can I do to help my patient understand there are small things and tweaking in their environment, their mindset that allow them to actually make this process easier. So that, that is lifestyle medicine. That's the science of it. That's the application of it. And then when you see that in the day-to-day -day of thousands of patients, somebody's going to be have to pay attention mm -hmm. because we're going to be getting that snowball rolling and we're going to be obliterating chronic disease. It's incredible. Yeah. And even while you were talking, I can see how this can really impact medical education too, because mm. we're used to medical students and residents going on these rotations. How cool would it be if, you know, you can have people from all over the country learning from right. these virtual visits and how you do it because there's not that many people across the country that are practicing lifestyle medicine. So right. yeah, there's no. so many possibilities. Yeah. My, I mean, for example, my daughter, um, who is uh, graduating medical school in May and she's applying for amazing number of residencies across this country. And, you know, she's looking at different ones, but one in particular that stood out was like, mom, they actually have a lifestyle medicine curriculum at this residency. And I was like, that's fantastic. Um, but it's not at all the residencies that she's looking at, which mm -hmm. is unfortunate. But, you know, luckily, I feel blessed to have the opportunity to mentor her through that process of residency. She's a plant-based eater. She fully understands the power of lifestyle medicine, as I have educated that child since long ago. But, you know, there's not a lot of young physicians who have that opportunity and think, what a shame, right? Mm -hmm. And that's changing, but it's like moving a Titanic. It's like, it's moving a big ocean. I was in the Air Force. It takes, you can't move those things. You might have amazing ideas and some and brilliant people who are willing to employ it, but until you get, <laughs> you just can't do it. You can't do it right. quickly, but that's the beautiful thing about this is we're very small, we're nimble. We can turn our dial here, turn it there, and really start focusing on the things that are working, right? We're building our flywheel. We're just, you know, it takes a lot of cranks in the beginning, but then it builds up and it's its own momentum. And, yeah. um, but, uh, but that's where it's important that we stay focused as, you know, co-founders of this and leaders, but I want to bring on amazing physicians. We already have the amazing patients, um, but continue to grow this practice because I just see it as scalable. It's, it's um, very attainable for every physician who desires to do it. Um, and, you know, we just, I, I'm excited at the potential of where we're headed. Mm -hmm. oh, I love it. Well, tell me what has surprised you the most about providing this service. And is there anything that's been easier than you thought it was going to be or harder mm -hmm. than you thought it was going to be when it comes to helping patients improve their health? Yeah. So, well, I, well, I'd already been doing this already for a couple of years when we launched. So I, I knew the practice of lifestyle medicine was going to be easy in the sense of delivery. Right. Um, I, I'm surprised at how quickly we've grown. <laughs> Honestly, I am so, I am fully booked out, fully booked out for a month at a time. Wow. <laughs> and, um, and I'm stacking even more patients on because I can't, like you said earlier, when we were talking, you can't say, no, I really struggle that with myself. And, um, you know, I, I, 
I understand the burden of where these patients, there are some very ill patients who are just desperate for help and they're just looking and I want to provide that. That's why I'm like, we're bringing on so many more providers as quickly as possible. Um, so that is, that was surprising was how quickly we grew, um, how grateful the patients are. Oh my goodness. They come to you. They're coming to you saying, Dr. Marvis, I want you to tell me what you want to tell me. It's like, I have patients who are, are like this, they're, pre-selecting themselves yeah. to come see me for me to tell them what I want to tell them. This is the most cool job. I'm like, okay, not only that. So I'm like, this is, I get to, I get to practice lifestyle medicine. People actually want to hear the message. It's not me trying to convince you, but I always tell my, you know, previously when I first introduced lifestyle medicine to my own practice, almost a decade ago now, I remember going, listen, I should not care more about your health than you, but I will until you care about it. But come on, man. You should look at this. You could be getting better. You could be stopping medication. You can feel better, you know? And um, yeah, so I think that was really fun was just understanding the joy, even though I'll see patients for a straight five hours. I am so just tickled by the end of it because like these patients are getting better and they're so thankful and it, which makes my job so much easier and so much more enjoyable. Um, and uh, yeah, and I think honestly, you know, the funny thing is the tricky point, I think with some people is they start and they feel really good. Now the long-term and the sustainability, mm -hmm. that's the beauty of this as well, is that they can allow them to see their doc and check in and like, and use me as a, an accountability partner and help mm -hmm. them get that movement. But, you know, that's where also having, you know, building this foundation, but hopefully we'll start building larger communities because more people have access and more people will be doing this and we can have that in-person uh, support as well, which is really, really key. Wow. I love it. That's so great. So you've done this for a while and you're seeing lots of patients, you're getting lots of experience Yeah. in this process. Have you been able to find ways that it can be more systematized, how you can streamline solutions for patients? Have you been able yeah. to find creative, innovative ways to make the process even better? Yeah. I think, you know, that is where the practice of lifestyle medicine is evolving, right? So I feel, honestly, I, I think we're gonna be the experts in the actual practice of lifestyle medicine. I think we will be leading in that field just because of our experience and our access to patients. And, you know, definitely wanna be streamlined as much as possible and provide the automated component of that. The problem though is, how much is my patient going to engage with something that's not human, mm -hmm. right? So that's the only component there. Um, that we have to be a little bit careful of. We don't want to just say, oh, go watch these videos, right? Well, we also know that a lot of people don't do that. So um, I, I think there needs to be a coaching element that for the physician's standpoint of Streamlined, if we can get you know, excellent health coaches and dietitians to offload some of that training, but that's actually part of the joy. People who do this, uh, physicians, we're just, we like to coach, right? Mm -hmm. Like you did, you got your own coaching uh, certification we enjoy that teaching aspect. So I don't think we want to give it away fully, but I don't also necessarily have to be looking at every food log when I could have a dietitian do it. So I think bringing on a care team is going to make that more streamlined, right? So that really is key. Having those resources available, like we have an incredible, we built our own intake forms. Um, we have our own handouts that we hand out to patients. We gather handouts from others like the ACLM, PCRM, and utilize that's already available. Um, and just, you know, people are hungry for the right 
information. And that's the other thing, you know, I'll have, I've seen this over and over and over again, and our other docs will agree. You'll have patients who come in and like, I'm just so confused. You know, one guru says this, another guru says that I'm trying to do this and I'm trying to employ all of it. And it doesn't even have to necessarily be plant-based eaters, right? They might be using something like bright light eating and trying to combine that with Dr. Furman's and Dr. Esselstyn and Dr. McDougall and all these different, you know, Dr. Greger's checkoff list. And you know, like, they're like, I don't know what to do. I just can't seem to get it right. And then they get frustrated. Um, that is very, very common. And that's the beautiful thing here is that we can personalize this, like you're one person talking to one doctor and we're going to make this plan together and we'll decide together what's best for you. And I said, you need to put on blinders. You can listen to as much as you want, but when it comes to employing your life, I need you to put on blinders and allow me to help you figure out what's best for you at this moment in your life. And that seems to help. Um, and having conversations but the, also the technology, right? The technology will make it more streamlined. Um, how easy is it for the patient to get into their portal? Can they you know, send us messages? That communication aspect needs to be very streamlined. You know, sharing documents needs to be streamlined, which you know, we just switched over to a new EHR, EHR, EHR health, um, electronic health record. Um, and um, it's a much better system. Um, to allow that to occur. We want our patient experience to be incredible. Anthony actually has, I'm pretty sure, a large fan of groupies because they get him on the phone. When you call plant-based telehealth, it's us on the phone <laughs> or it's Anthony on the phone. And um, they're like, I heard Zoltan, like, Dad, Anthony is so nice. He's so helpful. Will you tell him that for me? I was like, absolutely. I'm like, I, I'll text him up. Oh, there's another groupie for you. And um, it, it just tickles him. But, you know, he will tell you, he's just happy to answer the phone because he goes, when that phone rings, it makes me happy. We're, we're knowing that we're doing what we're supposed to be doing, that we're providing the care that has been so needed and lacking. And that access to care is so very, very, very important. Wow. That's incredible. Well, what have you found are the most common obstacles that your patients experience when they're coming to you? You know, they, you're saying they're desperate. They want to get better. Why haven't they been able to get help? Why haven't they been able to see improvements in their health? What's going on? Um, well, do you have an hour? Um, <laughs> no, summarize. No, I was thinking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let, let me let me give you the the, the highlight. The, I think this is a very complex issue. Um, first of all, they're working with I'm sure incredible physicians, but these physicians are lacking in education of some very powerful tools. Right there, mm -hmm. you know, I tell my patients, don't blame your doc for not being able to share this message if they don't even know what tools are missing from their toolbox, mm -hmm. right? If they were given these toolbox in medical school or in residency, that's a different story. Should they choose not to employ them? Number two is um, they have trouble getting access to their regular doctor. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm hearing patients saying, it's taken me six weeks just to see my primary care doctor for an acute issue. I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> um, and so, you know, that's, that's an issue. Number three is, you know, patients, the, they're really struggling one also with the insurance and coverage of maybe some alternative components of that. And that's the frustrating, and that's where we really struggle with our price, but we need to make it enough to make money to run a business, but at the same time, make it affordable for the majority of people. Right. So that's where we're going to you know, thinking of solutions for that, working on group visits, which will be cheaper for the patients and, you know, they get that different dynamic. Um, 
But I, I really think it's accessibility to physicians with this type of knowledge, number one. Number two um, is who's going to pay for it. And you know, three is that ongoing support. But then you have your other aspects that just come with every single person, even if you're not sick, switching to a plant-based diet. It's the social structure, what's going on in your home. So I, one of the first questions I was like, who's living in this house of yours? And, like, and are they on board? And if they're not, why? And then do I need to talk to them as well? And I'm happy to take that burden. I tell people I got broad shoulders. I'll be happy to have these uncomfortable conversations for you. Um, and it's hard so because food is so integral to our lives and our culture. And, um, you know, people get very defensive about it. So there's a lot of that social relationship contact. And then actually access to these healthy foods, right? I think people really struggle to understand how to cook foods that are available to them in their community. But there are a lot of people in this world, in this, com in this country who don't have access, ready access to healthy, unprocessed, whole plant foods. And um, I know even when I lived on Western side of Colorado, I mean, we had a little grocery store in our little town, but the produce was horrendous. Mm -hmm. It was very limited. My nearest one was, you know, 20, 30 minute drive. And if you didn't go to that one, it was an hour drive away. And so there's those type of things as well. And then how to actually cook these foods. How do you deal with like um, a family who doesn't want to, or at the, the time, right? How do I cook this and how do I save time in the kitchen? So that's where the healthy human revolution comes in. And that's where we've built these resources to help the how to implement this on everybody, kids, which you've even reviewed my course for me, which is awesome. And, you know, how to cut time in the kitchen. We talk about mindful eating. We talk about social pressures. We have recipes, you know, movement, all of those things. And, um, but yeah, it's just building those resources and having them readily accessible for patients. Wow. Yeah. It really is very complex, but I, I agree. I think access is just so low in this country. And mm -hmm. I started my own practice with this format that my patients would have access to me. They have my cell phone number and it really decreases stress in general. I feel mm. like a lot of practices because they are overwhelmed because they have so many patients, there's like this multi-layer blocks for patients mm. having access and it creates this desperation. And, you know, I, I just wish that we could change the system, but like you said, that's not going to change quickly <laughs> or mm -mm. today or tomorrow. So we have right. to find other solutions. I'm glad that you guys are doing what you do. Um, real quick, before I ask you about healthy human revolution, cause I want to talk about that. How long is your average visit and how many times are you seeing each patient? I mean, are, are yes. you seeing them multiple times or most yes. you're just seeing them once? Tell me a little bit more about that. Um, it varies on the patient. The majority I'm seeing uh, fairly regularly. Um, I have some patients that I've seen, there will be six, seven months. I see them every week. Right. So these are my very ill patients who are on insulin, Parkinson's, hypertensive meds, history of cardiac disease. You know, they're sick. Um, we're not going to, you know, I don't expect that I'm going to be getting a lot of healthy people just checking in. But mm -hmm. I do have those, right? I do have patients who are like, you know, I'm a healthy plant-based eater. I just want to make sure that my nutrients are where they need to be so I can order the labs and we can check and we can discuss and we could tweak things. Um, maybe I have um, someone who's hypertensive recently, um, a really good one that she'd been plant-based for three years and couldn't get off her blood pressure meds and her cholesterol just wouldn't change. So we tweaked a few things looking at her diet from understanding from my perspective and she was her blood pressure plummeted and her cholesterol did as well and so you know those are just some very 
things that might take three visits or four visits. Um, but there's others who require a lot more attention and time. And then there's others maybe I'll see once a month. Um, but uh, yeah, but majority of these I'm seeing again and again. But you know, my diabetics that have already reversed their diabetes, I see, it's like, I'll see you in six months. Look at this, I'm already graduating you to a six month visit. And um, so yeah, there, there's a variety, but the majority I'm seeing multiple times. And now for a very important message. Hey mama, if you are feeling frustrated about mealtime battles, worried that your child isn't eating enough or eating enough vegetables, afraid that your child is going to get some awful deficiency or disease because of the lack of diversity in their diet, I wrote a book that might be for you. A Parent's Guide to Intuitive Eating, How to Raise Kids Who Love to Eat Healthy is available in paperback, ebook, and audiobook through all major online booksellers. Did you know that most children are born with the innate ability to eat the appropriate amount of food to satisfy their hunger and support appropriate growth? Despite this, parents are still anxious and confused about how much and what to feed their children. In addition, many children are labeled as picky eaters or develop behaviors such as hiding and sneaking food. There's also a growing epidemic of dieting behaviors and eating disorders beginning at alarmingly young ages. In my book, you'll learn the five pillars of healthy eating, how to apply intuitive eating through all the stages of development, lifestyle habits that support healthy eating and body image, troubleshooting and problem solving for picky eaters, overeating and dieting behaviors, how to create and foster a healthy body image in your children, how exploring your own body image and relationship with food will help raise an intuitive eater, and what foods to offer your child at different stages of development. A Parent's Guide to Intuitive Eating, How to Raise Kids Who Love to Eat Healthy, available in paperback, ebook, and audiobook through all major online booksellers. Are you ready for a fresh approach to feeding your child? For more information, visit dryami.com forward slash book. And now back to the episode. Wow, that's incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, is there a story that just stands out to you about something that you were just like, wow, this, this is just transformative. Yeah. Um, oh, where do I even begin? There's I know a- there's probably so many, <laughs> <laughs> right, just tell us one. Right. <laughs> um, just in the plant-based telehealth mm-hmm. <clears throat> in the last year, I would say, you know, um, yeah, I would say one stands out for sure. Um, an individual who has lost, Uh, upwards of close to 60, 70 pounds at this point, um, and was an uncontrolled diabetic, uncontrolled hypertensive, um, and in middle age. And when you start working with someone like that, and they start seeing these incredible, quickly responsive things occurring, what was interesting was their journey of their relationship with food. And that, I know that speaks to you, um, was not only how he interacted with others, but himself and his relationship. Mm -hmm. And so my joy, honestly, with every appointment is just hearing this incredible transformation of understanding of self, Mm -hmm. right? And seeing this, these relationships to inanimate objects of food and how they, and how that relationship dictated his health. And he, he, he didn't feel like he was in control, but when you allow someone 
to understand how food can really change your your health outcome and then you're learning how your relationship with that food can change and you can enjoy these foods and start craving them and love them and really have amazing meals it's really cool to see and um so that not only is it the process i mean reversing diet do diabetes and hypertension these are normal everyday events right this is what to be it's not the small print on the drug commercial you know this is um not you know not typical results. Uh, not to be not typical <laughs> results, exactly. And where these are actually the typical results, right? That's the beauty of this. But it's just really fun to see the um, internal mind and the speaking to themselves and their thoughts and their mindsets and just seeing how that kind of joy comes out of them, but also impacts their family, impacts their places of employment, and these incredible things start happening. And I just was so excited just to be a small part of that journey because I don't know who they're going to impact, right? So mm -hmm. there was a time um, when I was in the western side of Colorado. Um, this was about, oh gosh, three, four years ago. Um, I had a patient, maybe two years ago, I had an older, a, a past patient email me. And it's like, hey, Dr. Marbus, I shared one of your podcasts with one of my friends from high school I hadn't seen. She had um, a debilitating autoimmune disease. And I shared her the podcast and told her about plant-based diet. She said, thanks. And I didn't hear again from her for a year. She goes, she got in touch with me. She goes, she went on the plant-based diet. She reversed that process, lost hundred pounds. And now she's working with other people and they've lost hundred pounds. So there's this really cool ripple effect because, you know, there is, we're all interconnected. There's a there's a social contagion that occurs, especially with physicians. We have these, um, you know, respect as authority figures. We have connections with thousands of people and our message is of health. And people are telling us things that they don't tell anybody else, right? Mm -hmm. So we are, we are really harbingers of some incredible information and we can really have amazing impact in the multiple lives we don't even know right mm -hmm. so when you look at the social contagion research like for example my husband works somewhere his boss's wife could affect my health mm -hmm. i don't even know whoever that is but it's because of this relationship in the and the community that those those um health things are going to impact me obesity is contagious it really is in that sensity, as since it, when you look at it in that sense. Um, but it, it's a really good book um, called Connected, and the doc's name left me at the moment who wrote it. But it's a really good book, and there's a great video on YouTube that explains it. And I actually speak about it um, in some of my speeches. But yeah, that's that's the cool thing about that. Wow, that gave me full body chills. And I just remembered <laughs> how you always give the very best book recommendations. So I'm writing this down because Connected. I'm going to definitely read it. Yep. I but, probably but have it's, it. It's true because as you were talking about this gentleman, the exact thought I had before you said it was that you created a ripple effect of well-being and joy. And that's really yeah. what matters the most, you know, right. because even that person you're referring to earlier, that maybe their value wasn't being healthy and you're just trying to shake them like, hello, I can help you get this something mm -hmm. that you don't even know you want. Even if people don't really understand the concept of health. I think everybody understands the concept of well-being. Like mm. I want to feel good. I want to have joy. I want to be with people I love. And so you, I mean, this is like a huge gift that you're able mm. to give to this patient 
and then they're able to keep on spreading it. And then someday we're going to have a world full of well-being and joy, and it will all be perfect. But <laughs> until then, <laughs> just keep doing um, your part. I don't think it'll be in our <laughs> lifetime, but we could sure hope and pray. <laughs> Maybe. Okay. A so really quickly, tell me about the healthy human revolution and sure. what it is and, and how you can help people in that way as well. Yeah. So Healthy Human Revolution, um, again, was another venture with myself, uh, Anthony Masiello and Jason uh, Cohen. And both of those guys have lost over a hundred pounds there in their own plant-based journey. And so they're just incredible humans in and of themselves. Um, in the last year, my boys, uh, Jonathan and Gabriel, who are 24 and 22, have joined me in that venture. Mm. Um, and so what we've done is we've created a place um, where we want to share the expertise of others, but also here, you know, I have my podcast listed there. We, we have the videos, um, we have blogs, we have recipes, but we have some courses that are available. And from this, from the beginning of seven days, uh, you know, literally a course on in seven days, how to transition to plant-based diet. And we cover everything that can possibly be covered. And honestly, we've had over two, I think we're around almost 2,500 people, 2,500 people have gone through that course and we've wow. had amazing feedback. And so it's a great starting point, even just introduction to help people understand what does this plant-based thing mean? What, mm -hmm. what can it do? When I go to the grocery store, how do I read a label? Um, what should I be looking for when um, I'm going to be talking to my family about this. What about those social issues? What about my kids? Should I supplement? So those are those bigger questions. Am I going to get enough protein? Yeah, da, da, da. <laughs> and you know, and we help people understand what's considered a healthy food and where that gray zone is and what's probably considered a food that's going to be less health promoting. Mm -hmm. And um, there's just a it's just a chart to help people understand where to when they want to make choices. Um, you know, where in that kind of just some general guidance because people don't know. It's like yeah. they're confused by all this nutrition, you know, articles and different things. So that's there. Um, we have some other folks like John Pierre, um, who does some exercise videos for us and um, just some uh, incredible, like Chloe Stein, she's done some recipes for us on, you know, uh, veggie things for the, the meat lovers, you know, how to, how to make those type of foods taste really good. Mm -hmm. So, and then, you know, I did my own was like the time in the kitchen. Cause I went to medical school with three little kids and then I went plant-based when, you know, I had three teenagers. I totally get it. Time. I get it. Um, the social impacts, the, all of that is just um, so very, very important and how to get kids. Like I even created a coloring book with superheroes to get your kids to color and get them in the kitchen. It's like a little, you know, a little cookbook and um, ages and stages and what we should be looking for um, across the, the, across the lifespan. So yeah, that's what that is. Um, it's a course. It's not as much of a focus right now as I have the boys working on plant-based telehealth because they're marketing and film guys very bright kids that are super helpful. And, um, yeah, that, that's what that is. That's awesome. No, but it serves as a good adjunct, especially yes. for people that need that extra support, extra information, want to make sure that they're getting credible, accurate information to help them on the journey. Right. What do you wish more doctors and healthcare, healthcare providers knew? Um, what do I wish they knew? I'll tell you, I think I wish they knew that there was a business model that would allow them to practice what they want to do. 
right? They, there is a way we have cracked that code on helping physicians make a good living and in many times more than they could in a brick and mortar, at least from a primary care standpoint, um, and see uh, the patients. That, but it will require a little work. You know, you got to get your license. But, um, <laughs> but you know, I, I think that, and that there are patients who want to hear the message and who will take it and employ it and see incredible change in their life. Um, and that there are ways to do this where you don't have to feel like you're beating your head against the wall. You're knowing that you're not alone. There are others of us who are, you know, kind of walking. And I feel like we're standing on the shoulder of giants who, you know, incredible doctors like Dr. Esselstyn and Dr. McDougall and Dr. Furman, who really were in this landscape of they were facing this huge jungle and they took the machetes and started mm. the path, you know. But now we have to, in our generation of physicians and health coaches and nurses and healthcare providers who touch lives to understand it's our, it's our responsibility to employ this on a mass scale. Because if we don't, we're just keep jumping off the cliff and there's yes. gonna be more and more of us jumping off every single year. And then before you know it, it's gonna be our kids jumping off the cliff and not just the adults. And um, which really gets to me as a mom and just someone who cares for kids, you know, it's just, it blows my mind. But that is what I, I need doctors to know and they should feel a sense of urgency to share the message. And um, there are ways to do that. And we're trying to build that network and that accessibility. And um, yeah, we just, we just need to keep working it. And um, every single one of us has a responsibility to share this message in your circle of influence. And we're trying to build the circle of influence that's easier um, to, you know, spread the message. Yeah. Oh, that's so beautiful. Well, this has been so great. Dr. Marba is telling us about this venture and I'm so glad that you've been successful and I am going to send you positive energy for those last two States and we can get your <laughs> GoFundMe campaign ready yes. so <laughs> to pay for done. like the million licenses you have, but please tell us how my listeners can connect with you, find this new company, find healthy human revolution and support your work. Yes. Thank you so much. Um, first of all, Healthy Human Revolution is healthyhumanrevolution.com. Um, there's links to the podcast, our YouTube videos and everything there on that side of things. You can even find a link to plant-based telehealth. Plant-based health is plantbasedtelehealth.com. Um, you know, come check us out. Uh, it's, everything's explained, the pricing, the, the model, everything. It's super easy to make appointments. Um, and it talks about, you know, the different docs, you can meet the different docs in they have their bio and what states they're licensed in. And, um, and if you don't need a plant-based doctor, but maybe you know someone who does, please share the word or share this podcast. Um, it's just so very important that we spread the word that we actually exist. Mm -hmm. um, and that alone, and we just barely, honestly, we have, we were just trying to build the business, but now we're starting to to really tap into the marketing. And as, as busy as we are now, I'm a little bit scared, which is good. That's where we're building capacity. Um, but we really want to get in front of people. And so if you know someone who might benefit from this message or is seeking a message of health and not sure where to go, send them our way. We'll be happy to discern if we can help them or not. Um, we get I get messages every single day, multiple message. Can you help me? Can you guys do this? Can you that? I'll be happy to, I respond to every single one of those personally. So please, please, please share the message and uh, ask us questions. If you don't, we also have live webinars um, on the plant-based telehealth um, 
Facebook page. Um, you can join there or you can join the actual webinar if you don't want to be on Facebook. On our Facebook page, it says register for webinar. We do those the second and fourth Thursdays of every month. Um, we try to bring on special guests. We'll bring on our new doctors. We answer your questions live. And um, that goes usually for about 30 to 45 minutes. And then those replays are available for you to watch at any time um, on our YouTube channel, on our Facebook page, and also our website. So we're we're trying to do as much as we can um, in just helping people find a better way of health. I love it. I'm so grateful that you exist. So <laughs> healthyhumanrevolution.com and plantbasedtelehealth.com, lots of resources. And now it's yep. time to gain that momentum. So that's awesome. Yeah. Yes. All right. Well, leave us with one call to action. What is one thing that we can do this week to improve our lives? Just eat more vegetables. Nice. Nice and simple. <laughs> It's, you know, as we've talked about so much today, and I think that can be an overwhelming thing, but honestly, it's just crowd out your plate with more of those plant foods. And the more you can do it in the more less processed way, the better you're going to feel. And it's just, honestly, it can be that simple to start. Yes. One foot in front of the other, eat more vegetables. Yep. Dr. Marbus, thank you so much. Good luck with everything. I'm so happy to have you as a guest today. And thank you for everything that you do. And I hope that you have a very plantastic day. Uh, thank you. Hey, veggie lover. I hope that you loved today's episode. Will you take a second and do me a huge favor? Please subscribe to my podcast so that you never miss an episode. You're the reason I'm here and I want to share it all with you. Thank you for listening and have a plantastic day.